Yes, please. That's true. Well, as David comes to read the scripture this morning, what we didn't notice is that somehow David always ends up with the salt and light scripture. But it seems appropriate given your salt and light and you just exude this. But today, particularly, this comes from two places, the Gospel of John, where Jesus points to himself, and then suddenly it turns outward in the Gospel of Matthew. So let's hear these. Uh, From the Gospel of John, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And from the Gospel of Matthew, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks, Peter God. What I'm going to ask is that, Jason, we're going to keep the words up on the, on the screens. Just the first verse of This Little Light of Mine, Jason, just a little bit slower this time. It's a, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I remember going to bed on Tuesday night, and both Dorothy and I have been somewhat sick over the last week, and um, so I went to bed fairly early, somewhere around 10. Nothing had been finalized yet, and yet I knew that upon waking up on Wednesday morning, that somehow the world would feel different. And here's the, 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 the movie that kept coming to mind for me, was The Wizard of Oz. Um, the Wizard of Oz came to mind, but kind of in reverse, I think, for much of the world. Is Remember that point at Wizard of Oz where the tornado picks up the house and transports her, and suddenly the door opens up and the world is filled with color? To some extent, it felt on Wednesday morning that the reverse had happened, that we had come from a world of color, like the flowers, and been picked up and transported to some extent to a world of black and white. I just kept thinking about that. And yet, at the same time, I realized that this is not about Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. I will tell you that um, over the last few days, four or five days, I've, had, I've been in contact with dear friends in places like Iowa and Pennsylvania and Michigan, even Minnesota. And 
Ask them, so what has this been for you? Knowing that every one of them was a Democrat. And it was amazing to me the consistency of what came back. For this election, every one of them voted red. Every one of them voted for Donald Trump. I said, why? And they shared their own stories, uh, and their own stories about how tired they are of friends who are farmers, particularly those in Iowa and other places, of having and having to watch their farms shrink and shrink to the point where they couldn't sustain any longer. And they didn't talk just about the last eight years. They talked about the last 20 years. And then others in small towns in Pennsylvania and even small towns in Michigan who came back and said, I'm just so tired of watching our friends in town who own businesses now have to board up those businesses. And, and, and they don't know what they're going to do now as they enter into retirement with basically nothing. And again, they didn't talk about the last eight years. They talked about the last 20 or 25 years and how this has progressed. They did not vote for Donald Trump because it was Donald Trump. They voted for Donald Trump because that was the face of change. That was the face of change. They could no longer support politics as it was. The other thing I will share with you is, without exception, every one of these were Christian folks. Desperate, afraid, somewhat lonely, and it just kept reminding me, and we, we saw this, and many of you did as well, is I can't remember, Jack, um, I can't remember his last name, from CNN, who was in Pennsylvania and talked about um, one of his best friends who owns a bakery there, and, and he described what was going on in Pennsylvania as this is an election of leaners, of leaners, of folks who would come in and they would lean into a friend and say, And because they were afraid to say it out loud. I will tell you, again, you now, especially two weeks ago, know how many years I spent on the Hill in Washington, D.C. And how corrupt I know that to be. I have shared with you this conversation I had with Al Gore, who said, if anyone, t I said, what is your greatest hope? What is the thing that, that, that keeps you here? In the, in the, at that time, senator of, um, of Tennessee. And he said, if anybody tells you anything different, they're lying. And it is to be reelected. And what we've heard, the largest country club in the world and the most expensive. Well, what's happened, I believe, is, is, is not some mandate that I keep hearing about it, and to the point where uh, a friend of mine sent me a poem written by a southern pastor who is progressive and who wrote and said, basically, this is a time of absolute gloom and doom. This is a time of, of despair, and we need to come to terms with this is a time of despair because what this election has done is created a mandate of homophobia, xenophobia, um, the, the, the just pushing women down 
and kind of going back to the 50s and 60s. And I wrote this friend back, and this is a friend in this church. I wrote this friend back and said, I could not disagree more. I, I could not disagree more. But that is not what this is. Half the country, he said, this, this poet, half the country said that that is a mandate for this. I'm sorry, friends, I don't believe that. I, I have more trust in humanity than that. This was an election for change. This was an election for change. And the one thing I want to remind us of, particularly the fact that many of us in this room are are Democrats and there are those in this room that are also Republicans. Bernie Sanders created something we have not seen in this country before. It was a groundswell of something different and something new. And I want to remind you again of what happened after Hillary Clinton was nominated for the Democratic Party as their candidate for president. What emerged out of that room, even at the convention itself, were those who continued to hold up Bernie Sanders' signs. I have this vision of this woman, this young woman, standing in the aisle with a piece of duct tape over her mouth, saying, I have now lost my voice. I have now lost my voice. When again, I have to say to you, I don't agree. We have not lost our voice. At the same time, I will tell you, I'm a Republican. It was one of the most difficult things for me to mark Hillary Clinton as my hope for the next president. I spent time with the Clintons in Arkansas and then in Washington, D.C., and I saw the corruption. I didn't know Donald Trump, but I know the corruption there. So why am I telling you all this? This is not necessarily supposed to be a political sermon, but we are, all of us, walking through this together. And so what I want to do before getting into the next section is sing the next verse of this little light of mine. Let's do that. Hide it under a bushel I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. We're bumping up against Advent, believe it or not. The year has just gone by in incredible ways. And one of the traditions of this church is that what we do is we take a lighted circle. It's really a circle within a circle. And we put up on the cross out here, this gigantic cross. And it becomes a beacon, a beacon for this neighborhood. That there is something going on here that is worthy of engaging. But I will tell you, and again, I've said this to you before, I know how much we do in the community under the surface. But might it be time to do much more that's recognizable? There is a vacuum in this country right now, and there is a vacuum in this community right now that needs someone somewhere to step in and fill that vacuum. Diana Butler Bass... um, 
talked about, she's a sociologist who, who wrote about Christianity and Christian faith, and what she professed was that we are on the verge of what would be the third great awakening. And what she predicted 15 years ago was that something would happen in this country that could potentially tear it apart. And that what the church would need to do at that point, like it has done throughout history, is step into that gap and create hope and continue to be a voice for the voiceless, to continue to be a support for those who feel that they have none, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to house the poor, to do those kinds of things. And and might we be that place? But there's more to it than that. I can't remember a time where I have felt that the country is more divided than right now. I look at particularly the young people who are now out there protesting this election, trying to find a voice, trying to find a place, trying to find a way to communicate clearly their displeasure and disagreement about what this means. Where in the world can we go, where in the world can anyone go, to then take up this and say, this is a place where we can talk about it all. This is a place where we can come together, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, and talk about the issues of our time. This is a sanctuary where those kinds of things can happen. But here's what we have to do. We have to take it on. We have to remove the bushel. We have to remove it and become that light that shines in the darkness. We have to do it. It is our mandate as Christian people. And I look around this congregation of who gathers in this place. And I keep going back to five years ago when I was invited to this unusual lunch with Dave Maybe and Bud Bennett. And I will tell you, there are not two more opposite people politically on the planet. And yet, here they are every week having lunch together to talk about the issues. And by the way, when they disagree, it is not pretty. But then when lunch is over, they're still best friends. Isn't that the church in its best form? Isn't that what we need more than anything right now? And there are ways, friends, where we remove the bushel. We sit in this beautiful park-like setting in the middle of South Bellevue, across the street from the library, on one of the main thoroughfares through this place. But I will tell you, so few know we're here. It's time to remove the bushel. It's time to say no. We need to be a light of Christ in this time. In this time. But there is always a danger. And that brings us to third verse. Don't let anyone push it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let anyone push it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let anyone push it out. I'm going to let it shine. Friends, there have been a number of 
surveys around our neighborhood and how they view the church, capital C. And we are now seen as the ones who promoted the hatred that we heard throughout this election. Are you hearing that? We are the church. We're judgmental. We're hypocritical. We're, it's not Aldersgate, but that is the view of the greater church because that's what gets the press. That's what gets the press. I know we're not that. And so what, what can happen then is we see that or we hear some of the just terrible language that was slung back and forth no matter whatever candidates we're talking about. And we come into this like this pastor from the South and said, yep, this is a time of mandate. This is a time of absolute despair. This is a time where I don't know what to do because I just feel shrouded in darkness. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <coughs> this is a time of incredible opportunity for us. But the danger is that when we hear that and begin to dwell into some of that, that that's what happens. The whoosh and the light goes out. But I think of Pentecost. Because I think we're there. I think we're at a Pentecost moment again. Meaning that if we would open ourselves up to this power of God, if we would open ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit and remember, for heaven's sake, literally who it is that we seek to follow, the man who was willing to step into the gap, the man who was willing to heal anyone, the, the man who would feed and clothe and confront and support, even with things like go and sin no more. That day of Pentecost, they were gathered there in the upper room, and they heard the sound like a mighty wind. But it was not an extinguishing wind. It was an igniting wind igniting. And it filled them so much to the point that what happened then was this thing that looked like flame came and swirled around the room and split and settled on the head of each one in that room. And it wasn't a flaming that burned unless what we're talking about is the passion that was ignited in them. Friends, there are those around us right now who desperately need to find hope, who desperately need to find light and warmth. And if you think your light is too small, this is the flashlight that just ignited in the darkness. And I wish you could have seen it. The kids were all huddled around my legs <laughs> saying I'm scared. There are a lot of people who are scared. A lot who are scared. And yet... Gosh, if this is not a time of hope and encouragement and mandate, I don't know when is. That yes, we continue to feed the hungry. We continue to bring hope. But we continue with what we believe in this church. And by the way, I want to remind us once again of our mission statement. We are a vibrant, in parentheses, not fearful, a vibrant and inclusive Christian 
followers of Jesus Christ. Community. Look around you. Growing in our faith. Expanding in our love. Igniting in health and uniting in health. And going out from this place into service. I don't know of any time, anywhere, more in need of that than right now. The question then, are you willing? Are you willing to follow the one that we're going to sing about right now with courage and hope? Jason? Let it shine for Jesus' sake. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine for Jesus' sake. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine for Jesus' sake. I'm going to let it shine. So, frankly, friends, I don't give a rip whether you're a Democrat or Republican. Not today. I do give a rip of whether or not we are Christians united in what Christ is calling us to be in the world. That's what it is. This is no longer about Democrats or Republicans. This is about hope. This is about faith. This is about light. This is about pulling the bushel that hides us off. And not just pulling it off, but chucking it away. And this table reminds us of exactly what that means. 